0: Can you get the blue box blues in the bedroom? Good old fashioned, a macaroni and cheese.
1: I say thumbs down.
0: Ice cream, milkshakes, the dessert menu.
1: Honestly, although this would be weird, like if you're on a date and there may be something happening later, you might want to have a salad as part of your dessert. Now, I don't know if that will impact anything in other ways, but to me, that would seem to be stacking the odds best in your favor, just from an erectile function standpoint.
0: A lot of irony in this one. Number five, the hot dog.
1: That's definitely part of the erectile dysfunction starter kit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the exam room podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us. This is episode 56 of season 4, number 251 overall. And I am really excited about this 251st episode because I have right here a list of the 10 most popular foods in America. And one by one, I will be asking Dr. Robert Osfeld whether those foods can increase the risk of erectile dysfunction. Now, given what we know about the standard American diet, you can probably hazard a guess as to why he calls some of these foods members of the ED starter kit. (laughs) But before we get into the top 10, or maybe we should call it the not so top 10, we're going to be getting into the nuts and bolts of erectile dysfunction. How common is it? Well, it's more common than you would think. Dr. Osfeld has the facts on how many men have it and why there could be millions more that we don't know about. And so really what we have here is a big old problem on our hands. But also what we have today is a big old solution to that big old problem. So I am so glad that Dr. Osfeld this highly respected cardiologist, is here just before his presentation at the International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine. And so now, for the millions of men and their partners who are affected by this, we're going to do our best not to let you down. This show is for you. Time to talk about erectile dysfunction here on The Exam Room, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. So many men suffer from this. Do they have to? Well, to answer that question for us today and to talk about the most popular foods and whether or not they could, in fact, also be contributing to ED, is Dr. Robert Osfeld. Now, he is the Director of Preventative Cardiology at Montefiore Health System up in New York City, and thank you so very much for being here, my friend.
1: Chuck, it's a great honor to be with you here today with the audience, with PCRM. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, it is. I always get giddy when you're on the show because you are a guy that just, you bring the character with you. You bring great information, but you have this awesome personality too. And so you put that together. And my friend, we are about to make some podcast magic.
1: Well, you're very generous. And after that, I'm just, I'm never leaving.
0: (laughs) Stick around. It's a marathon, man. All right. uh, Here we go. Uh, Erectile dysfunction. More men suffer from it than I think a lot of us would really believe because I think a lot of guys won't even admit that they have it because it's demasculating. So right off the bat, how many people like how common is E D?
1: Well I think you're spot on. And I think our epidemiology or measures of it in society probably underestimate how common it is for exactly the reason you're talking about. You know, people they don't want to talk about it, there's a stigma with it, they may be embarrassed. So uh, I'm with you. So but if you look at the studies About 15% of men between 40 and 59 years of age report some degree of erectile dysfunction. Uh, Men in uh, their 60s, it's about 45%, and 70% of men over 70 years of age. So it's pretty common, and I bet we underestimate it, particularly in the younger age groups. And I should say the way that we're defining erectile dysfunction is uh, the inability to attain or maintain an erection sufficient for sexual performance. And you can get, of course, more specific than that. There's a, a questionnaire, the IIEF5 score, the International Index of Erectile Function 5. A question, it's a questionnaire. It's five questions. And you get five points per question. And if you're, you can pull it up online. Uh, it's pretty simple. And if your score is between 22 and 25, that's normal erectile function. And then there are grades mild, mild to moderate, severe erectile dysfunction, the lower the scores get. So there's a fairly easy way to somewhat objectively uh, quantify one's erectile function. But I think you're right. I think it's way more common than we discuss.
0: There we go. Uh, and when you think about ED, you just mentioned how the likelihood inc- seems to increase as we get older, right? So you may chalk that up to age. You may chalk that up to, I've been partying too much tonight, right? You know, too much whiskey. Can't, can't do my thing. Uh, Maybe tired. Uh, you may just think, well, look, I'm just not into the person right? So you have a number of excuses there. But I think that the last thing somebody is thinking when that's happening to them is, well, this could be due to something that I've been eating. How much of this can be tied back to diet?
1: A lot of it can be tied back to diet. You're absolutely right. Um, And there's a variety of things that can cause erectile dysfunction. And they kind of lump them into organic causes, meaning like a physiologic cause or medical, medical reason, a, uh, a psychological cause, um, you know, anxiety, depression, or maybe drug related. Um, so, but organic causes are broad and they're often vascular or blood vessel related, endocrine like testosterone or thyroid hormone related. Um, and, uh, uh, neurologic, because the nerves play a role in that as well. So diabetes could could impact it, but vascular erectile dysfunction or vasculogenic is the most common reason to have erectile dysfunction. Now, sure, you could be tired one night. Maybe you had too much to drink. Maybe you're really stressed about something. Those are things that can also impact it, but you know, maybe transient. But vasculogenic erectile dysfunction is the most common uh, organic category of it. And that is largely due to blood flow into the penis. So I guess, so getting an erection um, and blood flow is of course related to diet. So getting an erection is a psychological event. It is a vascular event, a neurologic event, and also the endocrine system plays a role. So if there's some kind of like physical or psychological stimulation, then the endothelial cells that line, the artery going to the penis, secrete some nitric oxide and help the penis dilate and blood flows into the penis. So you could see if there is uh, an unhealthy diet injuring arteries, injuring endothelial cells, that could meaningfully impact erectile, erectile function. Um, and so the blood flows in And then it goes into these uh, venous sinuses um, that slowly fill and engorge the penis. And then when that happens, they engorge, they engorge, they grow, and they hit up against some fibrous tissue, making it hard for the venous blood to drain. And so when that happens, the penis stays hard, uh, and you're you're, you're able to have a, a sexual act, uh, so anything in terms of blood flowing into the penis or blood flowing out of the penis, if there's a problem with that, that can cause erectile dysfunction. Now, in terms of diet, we know that diet negatively or uh, diet significantly impacts blood vessel function, <clears throat> whether it be in a positive or a negative way. And the artery of the penis isn't immune to that either. Uh, atherosclerosis or vascular disease is a systemic disease. It affects the blood vessels in our heart, to our brain, and also to our penises. So what we eat profoundly can impact um, our erectile function over time. And there certainly are some small randomized controlled trials where they put people on a, a Mediterranean-style diet versus just kind of general recommendation in a Mediterranean-style diet having more vegetables, more fruits, more whole grain, and they saw improvements in erectile function over time. So diet plays a very important role uh, in this.
0: So let me just see if I can summarize there. Basically what you're saying is in terms of blood flow, right? So you think blood flow, you think blockage, and blockage, that's a big problem. So then is ED then potentially a sign of worse things to come?
1: Wow. Well, that's a great, great question. And we frequently call erectile dysfunction the canary in the coal mine for heart disease. Why do we say that? Because the artery to the penis is smaller than the arteries to the heart. So by the time you have a blockage in the artery to the penis that's negatively impacting blood flow to the penis, it's exquisitely likely that you also have cholesterol disease in the blood vessels throughout your body, including to your heart, but those are bigger blood vessels, so it may not have clinically manifest. But typically, when someone has overt vasculogenic erectile dysfunction, we call that the canary in the coal mine because it often heralds future cardiovascular events, often within... Two to three years after a diagnosis of vasculogenic erectile dysfunction, someone may develop angina or chest pain, poor blood flow to the blood from poor blood flow to the blood uh, to the heart, the muscles of the heart. Um, and about five years later, they may actually develop an, uh, an overt cardiovascular event like heart attack. So you're absolutely right. Diet impacts blood vessel function. Diet impacts um erectile function, erectile function is the canary in the coal mine for cardiovascular disease or heart disease. These are all tied together. It's a common theme.
0: And I think that in terms of ED, right, uh, the way that I'm understanding it basically is anybody, it can happen to anybody at any time, basically for any reason, right? it's psychological, you could be thinking about something else and well, you know, it's just the bucket of cold water in there, right? So um, at what point though, should somebody become concerned, like what frequency if it's happening more than a handful of times?
1: Yeah, I think so. I
0: mean uh, it's hard
1: to define that precisely, but if you don't have like an overt reason for it having happened a couple of times, like you haven't you haven't slept, uh, you know you don't have uh, maybe you drank too much like you were saying, maybe you're super anxious about something. Um, So if it happens a couple of times, I don't get too concerned if you have that kind of uh, reasonable explanation. But if it begins to happen consistently, um, and how do you define that? I don't know uh, exactly, but I guess I would define it as happening when you don't have an obvious, overt other reason. Uh, Then it's very worth talking to your doctor about it. Um, and you know, it's, people can feel uncomfortable about talking about it. And I can often, you can kind of sense when a patient wants to talk about it, they kind of get an uncomfortable look in their eyes and you want to make them feel, of course, as comfortable as possible talking about it because the kinds of risk factors that can lead to vasculogenic erectile dysfunction are the same ones that lead to coronary artery disease, you know, high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, Diet, lifestyle, et cetera, and those are things. Smoking and those are things that can be addressed um, in the physician's office and, and by the patient. So if it's happening, you know, uh, on a somewhat regular basis without an overt alternative explanation, talk about it with your doc. We've if you're seen- not sure, just talk about it with your doc. Like there's no harm in that.
0: Uh, what so? Here's an interesting, just from a lay perspective, right? From the patient perspective, bringing that up can be one of the most difficult conversations ever. It is emasculating. It can be embarrassing. You just don't want to do it. But is it as embarrassing from a doctor perspective? Is there any reason in your eyes that the patient should be shy about talking about it?
1: No, it's, it's actually like kind of a bummer to me when patients don't bring up stuff that's an issue for them. Um, and also, it, it, it can be detrimental to your health because like you were saying, you know, it can herald the problem. It can be a canary in the coal mine. So it's an opportunity to address issues, you know, before there's some sort of, you know, heart attack or, or an overt cardiovascular event. So it's sort of like in a weird way, an opportunity lost to help someone. So, you know, like docs have, you know, been around the block, seen a lot of things, you know, you go through training, you see all kinds of stuff. Um, and I understand that it's uncomfortable. I understand it's embarrassing. But, uh, you know, please bring it up with your doc. They should not feel uncomfortable talking about it at all. If they don't have a lot of experience with it, they could very easily uh, refer the person to a cardiologist or a urologist uh, to help them with the issue. But please bring it up.
0: And we know that a plant-based diet, we've seen cases where it can really reverse heart disease. So would I be correct in assuming that if somebody does have erectile dysfunction and they begin to eat that healthy, whole food, plant-based diet, would that then help them get up for the get down?
1: Well, to me, it's a great question. We don't unequivocally know that. There there are randomized trials with the Mediterranean-style diet, which is more plant-based where people do better uh uh, stopping smoking they can do better losing weight in randomized control trials they do better exercise is helpful all those things are helpful for health in general and also for erectile function but whether a fully plant-based diet can reverse it we don't honestly know the answer to that my hypothesis is yes um, and i base that uh you know, on extrapolating from data of the, the randomized Mediterranean, by Esposito, the Mediterranean-style trial, uh, diet trials, where that helped. Um, and, of course, it's more plant-based. And, and your group, PCRM, did a wonderful study comparing a plant-based diet to a Mediterranean-style diet, and they saw that on a plant-based diet, people lost more weight, their cholesterol fell more, blood pressure fell more in both groups, but more so in the Mediterranean arm. So there was, you know, there's benefits in, in both, uh, but there was, seemed like overall more benefit in the plant-based arm. Now, erectile function wasn't an endpoint in that study that I recall. Um, but you know, and you can extrapolate from other data that consuming more plant-based nutrition under the umbrella of a Mediterranean-style diet might be helpful, for example in the PREDIMED trial, which is a randomized controlled trial of people at risk for cardiovascular disease, but didn't have overt cardiovascular disease, probably enriched for erectile dysfunction. Um, And they were randomized to a Mediterranean-style diet versus basically a Western-style diet. And those randomized to the Mediterranean-style diet did better long-term. They did an a priori defined post hoc analysis of that study. And they found that those who ate more plant-based nutrition under the umbrella of a Mediterranean-style diet did better, had lower mortality. So one could hypothesize that based on that, it's probably also helpful for erectile function, but that's a hypothesis. So I think it is better. I have patients who go plant-based and then tell me, you know, one guy said he's a rock star in the bedroom. You know? <laughs> so uh, be, it's anecdotal. I can't unequivocally tell you, and we're about to launch... Uh, hope very soon, a randomized trial, a uh, short-term study looking at the impact of dietary pattern on erectile function in young, healthy men. Uh, so we'll see. We're going to look at a, a plant-based diet versus an animal-based diet, and we'll, we'll see what we find
0: tell you a funny story, uh, in the documentary, the game changers that came out a few years ago, uh, there was this scene where, um, they were looking at three college age athletes and they were basically looking at them for, uh, the strength and length of their erections, um, at night when they were sleeping. Right. And so I'm sitting there and, and, a bunch of us from the office went and we screened this movie at a theater and I'm sitting next to this one woman who uh, when this first happened, she's like, Oh my God, you know, she's like turns away. She's embarrassed. And then they get to the results showing the gentleman who ate the whole food plant-based diet uh, for dinner, um, you know, did a little bit better, you know, at night it was a little bit firmer, lasted a little bit longer. And then she, that, Oh my God, went to, Oh my God. Oh my. <laughs> God so it's if you all in the tone i'm telling you man i'm telling you uh that's a great documentary if you haven't had a chance to say, uh, see it yet i highly recommend it dr osfeld um before i let you go Uh, I spent some time on Google before we hopped on here together today, and I was looking, I said, well, what are the most popular foods that we here in the U.S. are eating? And I came up with 10 of them, Uh, and if you don't mind, I was hoping we could just kind of go down this list and you could give me the thumbs up, thumbs down as to whether or not these foods could contribute to ED. Okay, sure. All right, let's start with number 10, the burrito.
1: Well, um, I'm assuming that, you know, with, with a burrito, we're talking about a lot of animal based food, you know, like a lot of meat and cheese and sour cream and that. So from my mind and, and, you know, you could extrapolate, for, I saw the game changers, awesome movie recommended to everyone. And, and some of their work helped influence our study. And Dr. Aaron Spitz, the urologist in that movie, is going to be part of our, our study. Um, the, uh, um, so yeah, so, so even extrapolating from that to me, that's a thumbs down.
0: Next one, donut. Could
1: a donut contribute to ED? Yeah, it's hard to find a situation where donuts are helpful. So <laughs> I'm going to give that a thumbs down as well.
0: well uh, number eight on the list, the good old-fashioned peanut butter and jelly. Um,
1: you know, I'm a little more mixed on that one. You know, peanut butter, if you just have a nut butter... You know, without all the – because sometimes you get it and it's got all this other stuff thrown into it. But sometimes it's just a nut butter. Uh, and it could be – maybe it's on whole grain bread, you know, with a little bit of the jelly. Maybe that's sort of a, kind of an even. But I'm sort of being super optimistic. I can't imagine that the average peanut butter and jelly sandwich is like that. There's probably a lot of white bread and a ton of, ton of the sugary jelly uh, and not – the more healthful nut butter, so I'm gonna give that like a sorta thumbs down, like 45 degrees down.
0: 45 degrees, okay. Uh, here's a one, number seven. Can you get the blue box blues in the bedroom? Good old fashioned a macaroni and cheese. What say you?
1: I say thumbs down. Super fatty cheese uh, and uh, you know white white carb, simple refined carb uh, pasta.
0: Ice cream, milkshakes, the dessert menu. Thumbs up, thumbs down for Ed. Um,
1: I mean, thumbs down. (laughs) If you, and if you know, like, honestly, from my hypothesis is, although this would be weird, like, if you're on a date and there may be something happening later, you might want to have a salad as part of your dessert. Now, I don't know if that will impact anything in other ways, but to me, that would seem to be stacking the odds the best in your favor. Myopically just from an erectile function standpoint.
0: Gentlemen, be sure to listen to your doctors. A <laughs> uh, lot of irony in this one. Number five, the hot dog.
1: Oh, yeah. Well,
0: um, that's
1: definitely part of the erectile dysfunction starter kit. Um, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the highly processed meats, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, I, I do not think, uh, that to me is like two thumbs down
0: fried chicken comes in at number four
1: it's you know it's like kind of a bummer like i'm sort of hoping that one of these things will be at least sort of neutral but i i would fried chicken i would say is a thumbs down
0: number three i'm not sure that this is going to get any better number three french fries
1: yeah i'm just going to just stay like this (laughs) and um you know i'll change if i need
0: to. all right number two hamburger any changes no,
1: no changes uh, from my standpoint. I mean you can you could talk about the saturated fat, the heme iron, the new 5gC, the cholesterol that's in it, you know whatever like maybe uh, um, if they put, I don't know sometimes people put mayonnaise on their on their hamburger, the white bread bun. So for me that
0: is a hands down thumb down. And the number one most popular food in America. Pizza? What say you, Doctor Osfeld?
1: Um, it, thumbs down. but uh, oh. Shocker. Uh, but you know, it's funny. Like we, the fellows where, where I work at Montefiore, they have this EKG conference every week, and they get pizza. You know, comes when they have EKG conference. Sort of like, kind of incentivize the, incentivizes them to come to the conference. But I made sure that one of the pizzas is vegan. So there's like five, six pizzas, but one of them is vegan and it gets eaten and it's got all kinds of vegetables and it has a tomato sauce and everything else. Everything's the same. Just it just doesn't have cheese. It has a ton of vegetables on it. So it's kind of, I like it because I think it's a little healthier uh, and also it keeps them thinking about nutrition and nutrition oriented stuff, even during EKG conference because I want it to drill into their heads and into their patients' heads. So to me, with the cheese, all the saturated fat, the white flour... Uh, it's a thumbs down.
0: What about if somebody got it with vegan cheese? Would you feel the same way?
1: Um, I probably would. Uh, I'd have to see what's in the vegan cheese. Some of them are healthy. Some of them are, have a lot of fat. And I mean, certainly, you know, from perhaps an ethical standpoint or environmental standpoint, that's certainly a plus, but it's not necessarily a plus from a health standpoint.
0: Well, I'll tell you what's a plus is the fact that you have people who are going for that veggie pizza. I mean, people, yeah. you know, up until I, I started hanging around other vegans, it was like you, people see a veggie pizza and they run the other direction. People yeah. who haven't run in years somehow find it in them to run in the opposite direction to that pepperoni pizza. So good on you, sir. Yeah, you stay in both of pizzas. I'm, t- I'm telling you what, man. I'm telling you what. Dr. Rob Osfeld, thank you so very much, my friend. You are amazing as always.
1: Well, you're incredibly generous. I love being here with you. So thank you so much for having me.
0: So of those 10 foods that are on the ED starter kit, only one of them kind of made the cut for being okay. That was the peanut butter and jelly. But from my estimates, looking over those foods, you can tweak at least nine of the recipes to make them a lot healthier. Only thing that I'm still on the fence about myself here is the donut. If you know of a healthy whole food plant-based donut idea, please do share. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at WLC. I would love to hear about it and be able to share that with the exam roomies. A healthy donut is a concept that I just can't grasp yet, but maybe, maybe you can help me out there. But let's think about that a little bit more. Nine out of the 10 of those recipes can be changed to fit perfectly into a healthier diet, 90% of them. So the next time someone asks what you eat as a vegan... We'll turn that question right back on them and ask what they had to eat last night. And then you can say, yeah, me too. And watch their reaction. Watch their reaction as they realize that they can have all of that stuff while taking better care of themselves and their health. And all they need to do is just make a few little fun changes to the recipe. It has never, ever, ever been easier to eat healthfully we can all do it and still enjoy the foods that we have loved and for those people who are just starting out or getting ready to explore the idea of eating a plant-based diet well my friend you are in luck today because this episode of the exam room is brought to you by switch switch is an online cooking community that can help you eat more plants and learn to cook with confidence You know, learning to cook is one of the fastest and most enjoyable ways to start eating healthier. And that is exactly why Switch was created. To help you improve your health and eat more plants by building basic cooking skills. And do that in a fully personalized and supportive online community. You can connect with other members and share tips and even access important skill building lessons, all of which have been tailored to your individual needs and preferences. So if improving your health through food is on your to-do list, visit switch.com. That's switch without the t.com to unlock your free membership today. Switch, by the way, is also helping us out with this year's International Conference on Nutrition in Medicine. And Dr. Osfeld is one of the more than two dozen of the world's leading health experts who will be speaking there. This really is one of the biggest health conferences of the entire year, and you should be there with us. It's coming up very soon, July 15th through the 17th. All of those voices will be coming together to present the latest fact and evidence-based nutrition science. We are talking about credible information here, people. We're not talking about some random factoid that you saw on Twitter or Facebook. We're not talking about random Joe Schmo's diet and health blog. No, no. We are talking about the real deal that will help you raise your health IQ. And there is a special discount just for exam room listeners. Use promo code exam room to save $50 off the cost of registration. That's exam room All one word to save $50 and lock in three days of the latest science on nutrition, lifestyle, longevity, and health. And the conference is completely online this year, meaning you can raise that health IQ from anywhere in the world. And as you heard, the name of Dr. Ostfeld's presentation this year is Erectile Dysfunction, The Long and Short of It. And we barely scratched the surface of everything that he will be covering. Would love to have you check out the entire presentation at ICNM. So to check out a full list of speakers and topics, visit pcrm.org ICNM and register using the promo code exam room, one word, and you will save $50. And you can find a link with all of that information in the episode notes. And I do hope to see you there. And for today, that, my friend, is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to the incredible Dr. Robert Osfeld for gracing us with his presence, his wit, and his humor. The ED Starter Kit, my friends, that is a new one. (laughs) And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening, and remember... As always, keep it plant-based.